owe money for calendars or for books over the course of the latter end of last year, um, if you could try and have him paid um, by next Sunday, or, or even when you come to church, put it in an envelope and mark on it what it's for. It's just he's uh, doing the church account for, for last year, and he would like all of that tidied up, if at all possible. So just ask me to bring that before you. Exodus chapter 9 and the verse 22. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, that there may be heal in all the land of Egypt, upon man and upon beast and upon every herb of the field and throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire ran along upon the ground, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail smote every herb of the field and break every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said unto them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous, and I and my people are wicked. Entreat the Lord, for it is enough that there be no more mighty thunderings and hail, and I will let you go, and ye shall stay no longer. And Moses said unto him, As soon as I am gone out of the city, I will spread abroad my hands unto the Lord, and the thunder shall cease, neither shall there be any more hail, that thou mayest know how that the earth is the Lord's. But as for thee and thy servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. And the flax and the barley was smitten, for the barley was in the ear, and the flax was bold. But the wheat and the rye were not smitten, for they were not grown up. And Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread abroad his hands unto the Lord, and the thunders and hail ceased, and the rain was not poured upon the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more, and hardened his heart, he and his servants. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. Neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken by Moses. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go and unto Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I might show these my signs before him, and that thou mayest tell in the ears of thy son and of thy son's son what things I have wrought in Egypt, and my signs which I have done among them, that ye may know how that I am the Lord. And Moses and Aaron came in unto Pharaoh and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long wilt thou refuse to humble thyself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. Else have thou refused to let my people go. Behold, tomorrow will I bring the locusts into thy coast, and they shall cover the face of the earth, that one cannot be able to see the earth. And they shall eat the residue of that which is escaped, which remaineth unto you from the hail, and shall eat every tree which groweth for you out of the field. And they shall fill thy houses, and the houses of all thy servants, and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither thy fathers 
nor thy father's fathers have seen since the day that they were upon the earth unto this day. And he turned himself and went out from Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's servants said unto him, I long shall this man be a snare unto us. Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Knowest thou not yet that Egypt is destroyed? And Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh, and he said unto them, Go, serve the Lord your God, but who are they that will go? And Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks and with our herds will we go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. And he said unto them, Let the Lord be so with you, as I will let you go, and your little ones, look to it, for evil is before you. Not so. Go now ye that are men, and serve the Lord. For that ye did desire. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Amen. We know that God will bless the reading of his word to our hearts. Let's bow for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. We pray that you would Speak to us through thy word tonight. May we hear your voice for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Ralph Waldo Emerson, he was an American writer and philosopher. He said, there is properly no history, only biography. Thomas Carlyle said, the study of history is nothing more than the study of great men and women. History is the record of people's lives, the times that they lived, what they did, what they said, what they accomplished. It's also the study of their failures. History is just one continuous biography, one after another. And that is why in our Sunday morning services we have been looking at the biographies of the Bible, because as we look at the biographies of the Bible, we discover the history of the Bible. And the history of the Bible is fundamental to our understanding of the Bible. Remove the history of the Bible, and we have nothing to stand upon. For the Bible is principally a history book, and history is about facts. Tonight we come to the study of the life of a man who was certainly great. Pharaoh was the most powerful man in the world. It is believed that this Pharaoh was Ramesses II. Not only biblical scholars, but even secular scholars. They say that the dating of this period in history points to Ramesses II. He was the most powerful man in the world up until that point in time. He was the richest man in the world. He was the leader of the most advanced, the most successful nation that the world had ever seen, a nation that had become a mighty empire, because that's what the Egyptians were. And this pharaoh was great, but he wasn't good. Yet the story of Moses and the Exodus is incomplete without pharaoh. He played a part in the battle of the ages. The battle that began in the Garden of Eden when Satan came as the serpent and tempted Adam and Eve, and they partook of the forbidden fruit. This is the war between God and the devil. This is the battle between Christ and Antichrist. And Pharaoh, tragically, was on the wrong side. 
in that conflict. Pharaoh chose the part of Satan. He became the nemesis of Moses. The one word of challenge that comes to us from the life of Pharaoh concerns the fearful rebellion that he was guilty of. He was the man who rebelled against God. And he was the man whose heart was hardened. In particular, he was the man whose heart God hardened. And that is the real challenge tonight. Because this business of the hardened heart is not just something that relates to Pharaoh, this great emperor of Egypt. It is something that relates to men and women who hear the gospel, who listen to its pleas, who see Christ uplifted, who read their scriptures, and who know they must be born again. And yet they choose to live their life as if there had been no Christ, as if there is no God, as if there is no eternity. Oh, the delusion and the deception and the tragedy of a hardened heart. And this man, Pharaoh, was a man, and it's emphasized over and over again that he had a, a hardened heart. In the passage that we have read, Exodus 9:35, the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. Exodus 10, verse 1, God said, I have hardened his heart. This is solemn, serious business. Let us think about Pharaoh, the man with the hardened heart this evening. First of all, let's consider the cause. The cause of Pharaoh's hardened heart. The cause is interesting. Let's come all the way back in the Scriptures to Exodus chapter 1. And the verse 8. And we are told that there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. When Jacob first came to Egypt, the children of Israel were welcomed, welcomed with open arms. Joseph was the savior of Egypt. Joseph was the man whom God had brought to that part of the world who was able to advise the Pharaoh at that time. And so Egypt was saved from starvation and became the place that the world would flock to for food. But the centuries passed by, and the children of Israel, they grew and they multiplied, and they did very well in Egypt. And then there arose this new king. And this new king would have been Seti, Ramesses II's father. And there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. His education had failed. He did not know his history. He did not know about these Israelites and what blessings they had brought to Egypt in a bygone day. And so, he established this policy of trying to reduce the numbers of the children of Israel, feeling threatened by them, which eventually led to the little boys being cast into the river it all began because there was an ignorance of the past. And ultimately, men and women will not come to Christ and embrace Him because they choose to be willfully ignorant of the past. What actually has happened? 
because we think of the greater than Joseph. We think of Jesus Christ, the Savior of mankind, who loved you so much that he sent us, that he came to die for you and to be nailed for you on Calvary's cross. And there is only hope through Jesus Christ. And the hardened heart begins when men and women choose not to be moved by Christ. You see, this hardened heart, it's an unresponsive heart, a heart that refuses to be moved by your own sin, a heart that refuses to be moved by what Christ did for you. Oh, if I could only take you to Calvary to see Jesus dying, to see him offering up a soul unto God for you. Would you be moved? Would you be touched? Would the tears begin to flow? He did this for me. Or would you be like those that looked at him callously and coldly, or even mocked him as he hung there upon that cross? Would you be like those who would pass by and it meant nothing to them because Calvary was situated at a great Roman crossroads? The Romans, they crucified their victims in the most public places possible, public thoroughfares, the places where the people were, the people would be warned if you dare to mess with Roman rule. This is, what, this is what will happen to you. And so there were those who were coming and going, making their way into Jerusalem, making their way out of Jerusalem. And it meant nothing to them. Is that so of you tonight? We look into the past of what happened in Calvary. Do you believe that Jesus died? Oh, you say you do. Well, if you do believe, why have you not given your heart to him? The truth is, you live as if it never happened. Or you would have knelt on your knees long ago and asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior. This man's hardness began because there was a lack of education. His father wasn't taught about Joseph. He was not taught about Joseph. But of course, it was a willful neglect. He could have discovered the truth had he chose to, but he chose not to. And that's what true ignorance is. It's a willful ignorance willfully choosing to ignore the truth, the greatest of all truth. But this hardness that, that he had, it was a hardness towards the, the Word of God as well. Whenever we, we come to Exodus chapter 7 and the verse 1, God says something very interesting to Moses. And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. And thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh that he send the children of Israel out of his land, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart. What does that mean? God said to Moses, I will make you a god to Pharaoh didn't mean that Moses became a god, but it meant that Moses was God's spokesman. When Moses was speaking, God was speaking. And yet Pharaoh's heart was hardened because he didn't respond to the Word. And that's what happens when people refuse the gospel. You see, God speaks in the Bible. 
When you open your Bible and when you hear the Bible read and when you hear the Bible taught, God is speaking. God is speaking tonight through the Scriptures. He's speaking to you concerning your need, your need of a Savior. But the hardened heart refuses to listen to the Word of God. There are people in this world you will listen to. There are people in this world who appear in the television and you'll stop and you'll listen. But yet you will not listen to the Word of God whenever God says and Jesus says you must be born again. That's a sign of the the hardened heart. And Pharaoh's hardness was an increasing thing. It was something that continued as he refused God's Word. His heart was hardened. As the plagues, they came one after another. His heart was hardened. At times, he appeared to be soft. But then he quickly did an about turn and continued in a sinful past. And perhaps you've been like that. Difficult times have come. You felt to yourself, yes, I should become a Christian. Yes, I should seek God. And you felt yourself moved. And you've even decided within yourself, yes, I must do something about the state of my soul. I need to get right with God. And then that moment passes, and you're on in your sin again. And the heart becomes increasingly hard. The solemn thing is, yes, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. He was culpable. Ultimately, he was the one who made the decisions here to turn away from God's Word. But then God stepped in and hardened his heart. And that's what God does. God will harden the heart of the sinner when the sinner willfully turns away from him and spurns the opportunities. What opportunities this man had. He had one of the greatest men in history right there before him, bringing him God's Word. He he saw the power of God unleashed on Egypt. And yet still his heart was hard. But you have greater opportunities because you live in the post-Calvary age You live in the post-resurrection age. You live in the age whenever we have the full and complete Scriptures, and yet still you refuse to have Jesus Christ as your Savior. In Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says some frightening things about the way in which God deals with wicked hearts. In Romans chapter 1, in the verse 24, we are told, Wherefore God also gave them up, to uncleanness. God gave them up. He's talking here about the corruption of the old Roman world. So God gave them up. God just allowed them to carry on in their sinful way. He didn't restrain them. He he took away their conscience. He gave them up. Verse 26 of Romans uh, Romans 1 says, For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. God gave them up. God gave them up. And then... You come to verse 28. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. He gave them up. He gave them up. He gave them over. They crossed the deadline. Be careful that doesn't happen to you. Because God is a fearful God. He's angry with the wicked every day. He gives opportunities. But there are times... His patience runs out. And I cannot say to you that his patience will not run out after tonight. 
Be careful lest God hardens your heart. And so the first thing we see is the cause. Let's also look at the compromise. Pharaoh compromised in that he offered himself to God on his own terms. And this is one of the characteristics of the hardened heart. The hardened heart will attempt to negotiate with God. The hardened heart will attempt to have God his or her own way. The hardened heart will refuse full and complete surrender. The hardened heart will try and compromise with God. You cannot compromise with God. You either have Christ as your Savior, give Him your heart, give Him your all, or you don't have Him at all. You can't have it both ways. We see this over and over with Pharaoh. For example, in Exodus chapter 8 and the verse 25, we read, And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye sacrifice to your God in the land. Go and sacrifice. And Pharaoh said, uh, Moses said in, in return, Well, we need to go three days' journey into the wilderness. We can't stay here in Egypt. We have to go out into the wilderness to worship our God. And Pharaoh then said in verse 28, I will let you go that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only ye shall not go very far away. You'll not go very far away. And you know, that's a very symbolic thing. Because Egypt represented the world, the evil of the world, the wickedness of the world. And if the children of Israel were to be in that right place with God, they had to get out of Egypt. But Pharaoh said, you'll not go far away. It's like the person who says, yes, I would like to become a Christian, but I want my sin. I don't want to repent of this sin or that sin or the other sin. And so you try to negotiate with God. Doesn't work. Didn't work for Pharaoh. It's one of the signs of the hardened heart. A refusal to accept the terms of the gospel. And then over in Exodus chapter 10, the verses 9-11, we have another insight into the way in which this man thought. And Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old, with our sons, with our daughters, with our flocks, with our herds, we will go. We're going to hold this feast unto the Lord and We'll all go. All of Israel must go if we're to go at all. And then Pharaoh said in verse 11, Not so. Go ye now. Go ye that are men and serve the Lord. For that ye did desire. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. No, you leave your children behind. And you leave your wives behind. Only the men. Only let the men go. And so... Pharaoh wanted to tempt Moses into some kind of half-hearted obedience. Nothing can be half-hearted about the gospel. Nothing. You give your Lord your whole life. And so the old tempter is still at work to the present. Whenever you look at chapter 9, verse 27, it's very interesting what Pharaoh said. He said, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous. I and my people are wicked. Entreat the Lord that there be no more mighty thunderings and hail, and I will let you go, and ye shall stay no longer. If you'd have heard those words, you'd have thought, well, God's really working in this man's heart now. He's turning from his sin. He's admitting his wrong. But words are only words. Whenever 
the plague was stayed. He was just the way he was before. Whenever the pressure was on, he seemed to put on this veneer of religion. God-fearing even. But whenever the plague was stayed, he was back to his old ways. Some people are like that. Some people over an open grave have felt moved about eternity. Some people, when sick, have been moved about eternity. May have even made a profession of faith, but whenever that moment is gone, it's back to the sin as hard as ever. It's not a true word. Oh, the deception of the hardened heart, the deception of the hardened heart. Well, be warned, this is most serious. There's something that Pharaoh said in chapter 5, verse 2, that is particularly chilling. Who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice to let Israel go. Who is the Lord? I know not the Lord. Neither will I let Israel go. That ultimately colored this man's thinking. And that's what colors the whole attitude of the hardened heart. Whatever the appearance of religion at times, whatever the good words that are said at times, ultimately, it is a defiance of God And by refusing Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're trifling with your soul and trifling with your eternity. And you're defying God. That's the seriousness of it. And there are consequences. And let's just think about the consequence here for Pharaoh. Certainly he saw some of these consequences. He saw the economic destruction of his people, of his land, of his nation. Even his very servants were pleading with him in chapter 10, verse 7, How long shall this man be a snare unto us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Knowest thou not yet that Egypt is destroyed? How is it that this man, Pharaoh, could continue in his wicked way, even when his servants around him were saying, The land is destroyed? Pride, pride. He wouldn't give in. He wouldn't say he was wrong. He would rather see his land wasted than admit he was wrong and change his ways. And ultimately, there came that final plague. In the midnight hour, the cry going up as the firstborn of every family in the kingdom, from the family of Pharaoh, the prince royal, to the family of the slave and the pauper. Only the children of Israel were spared because they had the blood marks upon their homes. For the Lord had said to Israel, on this night the angel of death will pass over, and you're to take the lamb and kill it and put the blood upon the doorposts and lintels of every house. And when I, the Lord, pass by, I will pass over you. For it was the night of the Lord's Passover. And the children of Israel did as the Lord had told them. And they were spared. But throughout the whole land of Egypt, it was a horrible and an atrocious judgment. The judgment they paid for in their own children. Because of one man's hardened heart. 
Oh, the, the price of sin. Are you willing to pay the price of sin? Because ultimately the price of sin takes the soul to hell forever. Is that the price you're willing to pay? Is that where the pride of your heart is taking you to? Is it too much to say you've got it wrong? That you're a sinner before God? Is it too much? Is it not about time you give the Lord your heart? And while the Lord is speaking tonight, while there is a softness upon your spirit, will you not turn while the Savior in mercy is pleading and steer for the harbor light? For how do you know but your soul may be drifting over the deadline tonight? We think of this man, Ramesses II, as I have said, most scholars are agreed that the Exodus is dated during the reign of Ramesses II. He was probably the greatest of all the pharaohs, of all the pharaohs of Egypt. He was probably the greatest. Egypt had reached the very zenith of her power. He was a man who was responsible for tremendous buildings and for architecture. Some of these great pyramids were built during his time, and he used the slave labor of the children of Israel to do his work. He was a man who was a military war machine. He established great armies, and he spread the influence of Egypt very far away. He was a man who was riding the crest of a wave. In the British Museum today, you can go into one of the great halls, and you can see the head and the chest of Ramesses II as one of the most amazing sculptures that you will see in the British Museum. It weighs seven tons. He had it built in his own lifetime, part of a great statue in the city of Thebes. The statue, when it was complete, would have weighed 20 tons. And it was carved out of a great rock, was transported, I think, 200 miles to Thebes because Ramesses II wanted this great temple erected with this great statue in his honor. He wanted people never to forget Ramesses II. He didn't just do it here in Thebes. He did it different parts of his great empire. Such was the pride and vanity of this man. Yet it all came crashing down. It came crashing down on Passover night. It came crashing down at the Red Sea when his armies were destroyed. And within 150 years of his death, the mighty Egyptian empire was gone and left the stage of history. He wasn't much of a success after all. And yet you think of this man, Moses, we don't even know where Moses is buried. We have no statues of Moses. But yet we are told of Moses in Exodus 11, verse 3, and this is amazing. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, moreover, the man Moses was very great in the sight, in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people as Moses went about his business in Egypt. He was very great. He stood head and shoulders above even the great Ramesses II. Why? Because he was God's man. He was God's man filled with the Spirit of God. 
He does not earn the accolades of the great historians, the great secular historians of history. But he earns the accolades of God. He was the prophet who knew God face to face. And he was the man who led the children of Israel out of Egypt, led them to the promised land, the Messiah would spring. The Savior would spring from that seed. And Ramesses II, for all of his greatness, he gained the world, but he lost his own soul. Oh, what is true success in this world? True success in this world is knowing God, taking the part of Moses and the people of God. That's true success. There are so many, and all they want is what Ramesses II enjoyed. But ultimately, his life was a failure. And that impressive head and chest of Ramesses II that weighs seven tons in the British Museum is but a symbol of the hardness of his heart. Dear friend, what about your heart 